ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast where you get your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Sunday evening? Back in the time slot here. Back in the normal time slot. Back at it. Yep. No family uh, weekend responsibilities. No kids trick or treating or, or or any of these other things. Could actually get down to get down to brass tacks and be back in the normal time. So. Yep. There should be no excuse from everybody in the chat. We should see people turning out and packing. We always, our good friend Anthony Lafleur, always always in there. Good to see you. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have more people chiming in as well. Um, uh, we have a big, big day, a big weekend of city uh, to unpack. Um, a couple of major, major rivalry matches over match day 12 that we'll talk about. Prior to that, I do want to send a shout out to uh, my alma mater, Marquette University High School, uh, another state soccer championship yesterday. Uh, It never gets old. (laughs) So uh, back to back, and uh, I'm losing count how many state championships uh, Marquette High School has won. So I want to give a shout out to them. Uh, They won 1-0. a very, very determined Hudson team that um, uh, gave them some trouble in the second half, but uh, but held off and held on. So uh, well done to Steve and the boys uh, once again. Uh, you, it would appear that you are the uh, Juventus of uh, high school football. <laughs> High school, high school, Soccer. high school, Calcio, high school. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know about the Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> you never relegated. You know? Careful now. <laughs> oh, yeah. just well, that's just it. Never been relegated. So. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, yeah. So, so uh, just a proud, proud alum wanted to, wanted to talk about that good. for a minute. Good. So, um, so, uh, we had a big weekend as we met the Derby della Madonnina. We have Juve Fiorentina. We'll talk about that. The rest of match week 12 referee decisions, uh, clouding Champions League, clouding Serie A. Uh, we'll unpack all of that. Uh, we will get into the latest uh, installment of the Azzurri as they prepare for uh, a key game on Friday at home against Switzerland. Uh, in World Cup qualifying, and we will finish up as always with who won Calcio Twitter. But first, Darby della Madonina, Richard. You don't want to start Empoli Genoa? All right, well, we'll hold off for that a little bit later. Uh, yeah, Derby della Madonina, uh, obviously one of the biggest games in Italy, one of the biggest games in Europe. Uh, and this is a, a game that meant a lot to both teams, both teams battling, trying to get into the first place. Um, a lot on the line in this one. Um, the Tifosi was amazing before the game for both both sets of uh, fans. Yeah. Uh, Curva Nord, Curva Sud. Uh, Curva Nord had a, a Campione d'Italia, Champions of Italy, with a nice nice banner they had there. And then Italy, or uh, Italy, uh, yeah. Milan had the, uh, the the Tifo of uh, you know thanking the uh, thanking the workers, saying we'll never forget. And it was a nice dedication to all the uh, frontline workers there. So you know, well done to the Curva Sud and Curva Nord there. And uh, yeah, I mean it was. Nice to have the fans back in, in, a, in a derby like this again, right? And it felt so good with the crowd. The stadium just packed. Um, lots of storylines in this one. Uh, but let's get into the lineup so we can get to some of the storylines here. Uh, first for the home team, which would be Milan. Uh, in goal, uh, Ciprian Tatarasanu uh, went with a back four of Calabria, Chiar, Tamori, and Balotore. Uh, midfield of Tonali, Kessie as double pivots with Diaz, Krunic, and Leao up top. Uh, all led by Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, 
Big news in this one. Uh, well, obviously, Balotelli is going to start over Tiao, Tiao, uh, Teo Hernandez, excuse me, uh, combining Teo Hernandez and Leao there. Uh, Hernandez got in the red car in the last game, so he has to miss this one. And obviously, Salamaker is not starting in this one. And actually, that Brahim Diaz starting on the right wing. Thoughts on um, Milan's starting lineup in this one? Strange. But I understand why he's doing it. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's overthinking. I know Lisi was asking the question on Twitter, and 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 I get it. And I, I think that there was some frustration among much of Milan Twitter with this lineup selection. My only theory here is that, okay, you can play Diaz in front of Calabria and let him play higher. Calabria can do the dirty work, can do the defending, and and do the work on Perisic, which I thought for the most part – Calabria did a really nice job. Um, you give Diaz some freedom, freedom, and you give him a chance to run at Bastoni, um, and where he's going to probably have a little bit more space. My playing him in the middle, he could get eaten up by Brozovic, and and the spaces might not be there for him. So this might have been one of those where Pioli anticipated into getting into a shape where they would not give Diaz any room. And it's like, okay, where, where can I find some space for this kid to be able to do what he needs to do? So we went for that, went for Krunich, who, you know, in the middle, who could probably be a little bit more industrious, can absorb tackling in the middle and things like that. That's the only thing that I could reasonably believe why Pioli went this direction and thought, okay, I'll bring Salamakers on in the second half and, you know, and we'll we'll have a go with him and, and we'll move some things around and see what happens. And the other thing is, is I think that it's you know, the other comment that I made is you got to remember that Brahim Diaz came back from COVID. You know, how fit is he? All right. He went and he, he went about 70 minutes against Porto at midweek. Yep. And, you know, how much are you going to really get out of him? And it's just like, you know, Pioli probably said, OK, put in a shift here on the flank. At some point, I'm going to bring on Salamakers for you. Um, it was apparently he thought it was a good idea. So um, much of me on Twitter weren't particularly happy about, uh, about it. I'm, I'm lukewarm about it. I, I kind of understand why he, why he went and did it. And I think on a different day, it might've worked. Um, it wasn't particularly successful though. Yeah, it certainly was an interesting lineup. Um, I also wasn't sure. I mean, you never want to question the the manager and his decision. He obviously makes choices for a reason. He sees things that we don't see yeah. on a day to day basis. Um, I, you know, Talali. I'm missing up all the names tonight. Uh, you're going to get to, to uh, you know what, Tolulu. You can do that. You can. <laughs> let's just combine all the names. You can be. You can get a job with uh, uh, Enter- e Entertainment uh, Channel. And, and I thought you were going to say CBS. Well, so. you can combine you can you can combine the couple's names, okay? Yeah, and yeah. you know which which was a just a stupid nuisance. They still do that, don't they? I don't oh, read that do. crap. They do, yeah, they uh, do. Geez. But back to my point before I mess up the names. Uh, Tonali and Kessie. Uh, Tonali starting this one wasn't a surprise to me, but I thought maybe we'd see Tonali and Kess- and, and uh, Benacer start together. Um, not that you know they ever play together often, but I thought you know both of those are two players who are more in form as opposed to Kessie, who's been a little. His form has been suspect lately, um, mm. but I understand why Kessie's in there. He he is a bulldog and pushes people around, so I could I can get that. And also, you know, the comments that you made about Diaz and and over Salamakers, maybe Krunich is you know obviously worrying something to me, but that is Pioli's boy. So I mean, you can't do anything about it. Just it is what it is, right? So yeah, um, I wasn't it, was, it wasn't too bad of a lineup myself. And then looking at uh, Inter, the road team, Handanovic in goal, uh, the back famous back three of Skriniar, Devry, and Bastoni. Oh, by the way. 
you know, all this Interisti and, and, and really Azuri fans who kept saying, when I kept saying Bastoni is a good defender, like ah, he, isn't, he isn't even starting his own team. I mean, he was arguably the man of the match in this game, but we'll get to that. Um, those three in the back, uh, they go with Darmian, Barella, Brozovic, Shalanolo, and Ivan Perisic. And then up top, you had Dzeko and Arturo Martinez. Um, thoughts on this lineup? Obviously, Hakan getting the start is going to get all the, all the attention there, uh, coming back against his former team, how he would do. My fear is always that he was going to score in this one. It was just fate that he would. Uh, but but the rest of the lineup, uh, pretty straight up. I mean, Darmian maybe the one raising an eyebrow, but he's been playing well for them lately. What are your thoughts on the lineup? The wise and all-knowing sage that is Nima Tavali on our preview said, Hakan Chalanolu is going to score against Milan in the Derby. <laughs> so we will get to that. Yeah. Um, nothing nothing surprising me about this lineup. Um, you know, it's been it's been tried and trusted. You know, if if you knew Hakan was going to start. Um, Inzaghi could have really pulled one on everybody if he wanted. If he wanted to really compact things and play Vidal from the start, you know, which would have maybe given Patisic a little bit more freedom, as an example. Um, but then, you know, I think that he felt like he had to have some little bit of creativity, you know, in between the midfield and in, in the uh, in the forwards, where Chalhanolu kind of found his place a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's, it's standard. Um, it came down to whether or not Inzaghi was going to go with Chalinolu or if maybe he was going to go with Vidal and, and go with a you know, a more industrious type midfield, but, uh, this is where he landed and, um, yeah, no, no issues with it whatsoever. What were your, you know, we weren't sure what kind of derby we were going to get, right? It's either going to be a high-flying one or one that's a little bit dull, right? We've seen a lot of the dull ones, especially under Gattuso's reign. Uh, so we were really sure, especially with Inzaghi's first you know, fury, uh, fury into this uh, uh, derby himself. He's had plenty of derbies himself in the, in the Roma de, uh, Derby de la Capitale. So he's had experience in the big games. But, uh, you know, this he's never been in this derby. So I was, I was curious to see how he would come out in this game. Uh, the game started out flying from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, went back and forth. Really, it was really an, an entertaining game. This is really fun derby. No matter what you know, what the results or who you were, the neutral. It, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, the fireworks really started in the tenth minute. Uh, Kessie inexplicably goes backwards with the ball. Somehow tries to wants to shade off two players who are on him. Uh, he gets fouled. In my opinion, fouled by Chalanolu. He then in turn takes him out. Their legs collide. They fall out. Penalty is called against Kessie. Um, yeah. Big debates about which way it is. Yeah, penalty for me. Was it a penalty for Milan? Was it a penalty against Inter? What was the real thing? My opinion, Frank, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I thought it was uh, should have been a no call because I thought Kessie was fouled first. And then he, yes, he did foul. But it was stupid no matter what, what Kessie did. No matter how you look at it, it's a stupid play by Kessie. But I don't think it was a penalty as clear-cut as everyone thinks it is. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that play? I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I I think you let it go. I mean, I, I but this is I, people could be saying I'm making a Milan homer call too. Um, so hard for you know, hard for me to to sit here and, and say that it's not a penalty, but it's also yeah, you know, it's what the referee called. I thought it was a bad call. I thought it was just a coming together by two players, and there was yep. really no foul from one or the other. Um, but it's it's what it is. It's the call that was made. It's, it's a, it's another decision. Referees are being, are getting in the spotlight here in games for the wrong reasons. Correct. You know, and it was a, it was a, it was a bad decision, but nonetheless, it was a decision that they made and they, they stuck with it. 
Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned uh, before the before the as the show began that you know Nemo predicted Hakan was going to score all week. Uh, you know, I'm going on different shows and people are asking me, and I'm like, Hakan's going to score in this game. It's written the stars, right? I, I, we were on the Couch of Connection, or I was on the Couch of Connection on Tuesday uh, or a couple days ago, and I was like, yeah, I have a strong feeling Hakan's going to score. I thought Zlatan probably would score too, but uh, we'll get to that. But Hakan would be the one to steps up. Uh, he got, he gets up, scores, gets ready to celebrate. Uh, Jekko pushes him down before he celebrates really, but then he you know he he taunts the crowd. I, I love seeing that as much as I yeah. hate Hakan. I love seeing that he was it was egging on the crowd. Yeah, uh, he's still Satan in my book, but uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, great. Of course, as Hakan is going to lead the, start the scoring in this one, and uh, not surprised that he stepped up to take that. No, not surprised at all. Um, you know, and he took it well, uh, puts Inter in front, you know, and another again, Milan. Probably hard done by a referee's decision or no decision that puts them behind. We saw it happen Wednesday against Porto. Um, I'll say this. I think the reaction from them this time around was much, much better. Uh, The team that played Porto was kind of almost played shell-shocked and virtually got got played off the park and were lucky to get out of there only 1-0 down at halftime here. Yeah. these guys reacted a lot. The reaction was a lot better. The reaction is what you want to look for. They picked it up and played. Yeah, I thought Inter had the better of the play in the first opening minutes, but once that goal happened, it seemed like they woke up Milan. Uh, Milan almost almost responded immediately. It wasn't quite immediately. It was like five, six minutes later. Uh, off a corner kick, we all initially thought Tamori scored the goal the way he was celebrating. Uh, Probably for further review, it was De Vry with the own goal, but a goal nonetheless. 1-1, Darby's on. Uh and yeah, full tilt. It was it was a fantastic match going back and forth, really. But it's great to see that the two goals happened so quickly. You knew the derby was going to get full, hot, and heavy. Uh, and if it wasn't already at a at a high level, uh, it would it would get even higher. Just ten minutes later, uh, a foul in the box, and uh, a penalty is awarded to uh, Inter once again. Uh, this time, a uh, lovely play over the top, and I forget who made the beautiful pass over the top. Uh, Balotori completely confused, didn't know where the ball is. Darby yeah. up in behind him. My opinion, again, and you call it a homer call if you want, Balotori got all ball first and then knocked the guy down. I thought it would have been a, a good clean play. Maybe 10 years ago it would have. Uh, penalty is called on, against Darmian or for Darmian. Uh, thoughts on the penalty before we get to the penalty kicker? Balotori got the ball. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll point out, and I have precedent, from a game just a few hours before this. Um, I took the time to watch the Everton-Tottenham game this morning, so I was kind of curious to see what Tottenham would look like under under Antonio Conte. Um, and there was an incident in the second half, relatively similar. The ball's coming into the penalty area, but instead of a defender, it's Loris coming out for it. Richarlison's running onto it. And Loris clearly gets his glove to the ball and pushes it away. In the process, he does go through Richarlison. Referee initially awards a penalty, but then VAR has a look at it and says, no, that's not a penalty. He got the ball first. You know, gets the ball first after that, you know, there's no, you know, and it was a good, it was, it was a good decision. Um, so relatively similar here. Torrey gets the ball first. Okay. Uh, in the process of getting the ball, after the after process, let's say he goes through Darmian, okay, in a very similar in a, in a very similar fashion, but you have to look at was the ball won, you know, and was he did he did he establish an unfair advantage to win the ball? 
No, he did not. Okay. He won the ball and then the optics of an unfair advantage was generated because of the contact after winning the ball. Very much similar to the Everton Tottenham game today where uh, Loris got his glove to the ball and went and then went through Richarlison. You know, his he's making the same effort for the ball as the attacking player is. And for me, in my opinion, Lacey chime in because I know that he agreed with me that he saw Bellatore get the ball, our resident referee. Um, Lacey, if you're listening, just shoot us a tweet, your thoughts on, that, to give your thoughts on the incident. If you win the ball and then go through someone after that, I don't think a penalty should be called. I don't think a foul should be called there. You know, unless you do something like the follow through has your studs exposed and you go right into the side of the guy's knee. That might be different. That's a little bit that's conduct that's a little bit more violent. But in, in the case of Balotore, I'm getting long winded here in the case of Balotore and in the case of Loris in the Premier League game, there's no violent conduct there. You know, there's there's ball winning. OK, and there's there's playing like men. And it was it was a bad call. Yeah, and the one thing we've seen in Serie A this season, which is unfortunate, is that the refereeing has been horrible all season long for every team, going both ways. This game was poor for both teams as well. There was calls that they missed for Inter and they missed for Milan as well. So penalty steps up. You imagine Hawkins going to step up and take this one again. Uh, but no, it's this time it's Martinez steps up. Uh, and when I saw him step up, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a goal. But uh, no, Ch- uh, Ciprian Tatarasanu, one of the plays of the week, and nom- uh, nominees uh, save on the penalty somehow on on Martinez uh, keeps it at one one. Uh, an unreal play by Tatarasano, and I'm never going to say anything bad against him again because uh, that was a huge save in a big game uh, that could have easily made it two to one. And really, Inter had some opportunities to make it two, even three to one in this in this first half. Um, huge save by Tatarasano on that completely unexpected. I don't think anybody expected that frame, that play, Frank. Ball don't lie. Yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. There you Ball go. Ball don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so great save by Tatarasano. Uh, but again, you know, the first half, continue the first half. I thought uh, Inter really started dictating play, had some opportunities, had a chance to make it go 3 1. I don't know, Barella had a great opportunity in this one. I don't know how he misses that, his his goal opportunity. Uh, but nonetheless, saved off, the, saved off the line. That was the one that was saved off the line. Uh, yeah, yeah, from Balotore, okay. of all yep. people. Balotore, uh, makes up kind of for his error earlier, uh, saves the ball off the line, wonderful there, just before halftime, and we would go into halftime by the score of 1-1, uh, an interesting first half, Frank, I thought, uh, Inter, as I mentioned, I thought had the better of the play in the first half, um, but Milan, you know, had a huge lifeline with that save by Tatarasanu, the, the goal line save by Balotore, really, those two plays kept Milan in this, because it could have been a blowout in the first half, thoughts on the first half by you I'll, I'll i'll agree to what you're saying about inter having the better of the play in part um they had the more dangerous chances i mean obviously the penalties yes um yeah i don't mean they dominated but then, i think they were the, they had the most dangerous plays they had the better chances um the ball cleared off the line and then martinez had a very easy chance just before halftime as well that he normally scores that he missed um milan i think moved the ball well on Inter through the first two-thirds of the field. Where they had their issues was finding the final pass. Um, this was not a good game for Ibrahimovic. Um, no, back three did their job. Yeah, uh, there wasn't. I mean, they 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 crowded him. Um, and you could see some frustration that, you know, he was looking for, you know, ball, you know, somebody would play a long ball, put it on Ibra's, Ibra's head. 
with his back to goal and he's trying to lay balls off with his head to guys in hopes that they're they're running forward and they're not and they and it all turned into lost possessions um you know so that there there wasn't connection there between Ibrahimovic in spots you know with the midfielders um you had Leao I thought doing more than he should in moments, even Bonetti made the comment that that's the aggravation that Milan fans have with Leao is that he'll, he'll tend to take one too many touches, you know, where he can, where he can work the combination plays to get around defenders, especially with his pace. If he did, if he made more of a habit of that, he'd be, he'd be even more dynamic. And I'll say this, I think Rafael Leao is one of the most improved players of the season in this league. Um, but I think that it was a struggle for him today. Brian Diaz, it didn't work. I thought Sandro Tonali was really good. Um, I thought that he did his role. Yep. Um, moving the ball through the thirds of the field, finding the finding some passes. He didn't hit anything dangerous or deadly, um, except for the the own goal. Um, that was his cross on a dead ball. But in terms of what you want that midfielder to do in that setup, he did it to a T. Um you know, and uh, aside from the, the the penalty issue on on the uh, on getting casual with the ball, I thought Kessie was all right too. Um, so you know, I thought the double pivot was fine. Uh, you know, for Inter, um, Milan Skriniar was outstanding, yeah. um, and had a had a big hand in uh, keeping Ibrahimovic quiet, which we were talking about. Um, I thought that Brozovic was very good too. Um, in terms of his role, Krunic couldn't do anything. Um, and you had those two kind of in the same spaces altogether. And it felt like Brozovic stood out far more than I, I didn't even know Krunic was on the pitch. Um, you know, unless I look at a lineup sheet, uh, that's how, that's how poor I thought he was. And that's how good I thought that, and that's a lot. And, and that has a lot to do. That's a product of how well Brozovic played. Yeah, so. and uh, and arguably Brozovic helped uh, the back three a lot as well because he was very physical with his Latin Ibrahimovic. In fact, the whole back three were very physical on Ibra, on Ibra and I think that played a part in him not being able to do anything because he had no space, really. Uh, full credit to Skriniar, DeVry, and Bastoni really shutting him down, shutting down any kind of play. We said Diaz had a bad game and Krunic as well. But you, 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 part of it has to go, the credit has to go to the back three plus Brozovic, even Barella. Barella uh, backtracked a lot and did very well, did all the dirty work, so... You know, Inter defensively did a really great job, really keep making it difficult for Milan. You mentioned, you know, the first two thirds of the of the pitch, they were fine, and then final third, it couldn't seem to get anything. And it also, you know, Balotelli is not really doing much on the left hand side. Calabria is, you know, getting a pin back by uh, Ivan Perisic, who had a decent game as well. Um, good first half by by Inter, I thought. Uh, you had a comment? That dynamism of Teo going forward was was desperately missed in this game, and I think that if yeah. Teo plays, there isn't all this attention on Ibrahimovic. Um, and I think that you stand a chance to stretch that back three a little bit. Um, but that wasn't there. Bellatore doesn't scare you the way Teo Hernandez scares you when you see him coming forward. Sure. So, And Calabria wasn't going to venture forward a lot either um, because you don't want to concede those spaces, whether it's Patisic or whether it's a diagonal run from a Lotaro or a Dzeko. So you didn't see Calabria going forward a lot either in this game. So you did not have fullback play going forward, which 
contributed to Milan looking a little bit more predictable and being a little bit easier to defend. It basically made the back three's job easy for Inter. It's like, all right, we can all be around Ibra. We're not going to get stretched here. Um, and, you know, and that's where the difficulties lied in Milan's ability to play in the final third. They didn't build up the numbers that you normally see them do, you know, in the possession game that they play under Pioli. And on the flip side, you saw Darmian and Ivan Perisic both pushing up a lot, uh, especially Darmian against Balotore. But Ivan yeah. Perisic kept trying against Calabria, and, and when it got to the final third, Calabria shut him down, but at least he was still present in, in that role. So, uh, you know, interest players were doing a little bit more than uh, the Milan players were in that first half. Substitution had uh, Balotore did get a yellow in that first half, obviously for that penalty that he committed. Um, so he went off. Kalulu came on. I thought it was an, uh, an improvement when he came on. Uh, but, you know, second half uh, pretty much started like this first half ended. I thought uh, Inter yeah. still had better the play. And as the half was going on, I thought Inter was really starting to play the game in their style. They kept mentioning how the game was very chaotic, and I thought that suited Inter perfectly because Milan likes to, uh, likes to be a little more controlled where they can do what they want, be more free-flowing, and they couldn't do that because it was so chaotic and it was feeding perfectly into what Inter wanted to do. Um you know, results aside, I thought Inzaghi got the better peeling in this one. Not only for the head scratching and starting lineup, but some of the substitutions that he made in this game, um, kind of going more defensive at some points. Instead, when you know, instead of going for the win when you should uh, in a game that's this close and you're you're, you're comfortable playing comfortably defensively, um, they were going more defensive, bringing in Bakayoko and stuff like that. Uh, so Inter were getting stronger and stronger. Had opportunities to score. I know Vidal came on and he nearly scored uh, late in this one, but then. Really, the last 10, 15 minutes, uh, Milan started creating more opportunities. Salamakers came in and kind of helped with this. But um, last 10, 15 minutes, Milan really started growing stronger at the end of the game and putting a lots of pressure on Inter. And I thought, I kept thinking a goal was coming in this when you had some more and more opportunities. But Milan, they really started getting a lot of shots on. Uh, you were wondering where this was all game long. But uh, all for not, the game would end 1-1. Um, it was a fun derby. No yeah. way to no, no way to put about about this. It was a really fun, entertaining game. Both sides, I think, are going to be happy with the result. Um, would they want to win? Yes, but yeah. a draw doesn't hurt either team, and it's a fair result. I think ultimately, uh, in my opinion, I think Inter were slightly the better team, but Milan came on strong at the end and they fought. They fought very you know gallantly. So fair result ultimately. Uh, thoughts? What are your thoughts on, on the on one one draw? I, I was, I think you know, as a Milan fan, you get nervous with how many corners were being given up um when you consider the the players that they can bring forward on corners yeah um yeah. that was an issue that it felt like Milan weren't getting out of their own way i think Milan are probably fortunate to get out of this with a draw um even with how they played in the last 15 minutes cuz they looked to be the team that was going for the win um, in corners, eight to four in advantage of, of Inter. I mean, that's a lot of corners in this game. And seven of them were in the second half. Yeah. Um, so, Barella getting hurt was a huge help. That changed. That changed things. Yeah. I mean, they brought on Vidal, and Vidal was excellent. He had that. He had that key tackle on Rebic. Um, and then um, Jekyll getting hurt. Although I, Jekyll was probably average today, I thought that Timori, Timori and Kiar did a nice job on him. Yeah, his work rate was really good, but uh, what he yeah. created was not much there. Yeah, there was there was uh, a lot of work rate. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of uh, end product, you know, to that work rate from Jekyll today. Um, 
and I think if I'm if Darmian got hurt, I think he did. Which you bring on Dumfries, who can give you a ton going forward, but can be a liability defensively. And I think that Milan did a nice job of exposing that. They had Rebic getting there, and Rebic was very active when he was in. And there was they looked like they were trying to combine around Dumfries on multiple occasions to try to generate that cross. Um, VJ makes a comment about Pioli saying that they needed to get the ball into Ibra more and a bit quicker when he was free. He was hardly free. There was no, I mean, like I said, the fullbacks didn't scare Inter. So Inter could just say, all right, we're going to crowd Ibra and we're going to crowd him out of this and we're going to make it hard for Milan to get balls into him and get service into him. And you got to get some width to try to pull these guys apart. You started seeing it when Rebic came into the game. All right. Um, and I also thought Ben Asser was a good substitution. I thought he came on and played well. Um, you know, so you got to get that. You got to do something to try to pull them because everything for Inter stayed compact and we're able to just largely keep everything in front of them. I mean, um, and I don't think well, Handanovic was in trouble. We had the incident in the end there where Salamakers, we thought, scored. Hit the post. Um, I mean, Handanovic yeah. didn't even move. Uh, and then Kessie could have made up for his mistake from the beginning of the game and missed it just wide. That was uh, the best opportunity of the game, honestly. Um, Anthony thinks that Kessie had time to touch it before. I don't agree. Uh, I think that there was enough players in the penalty area that if he took a touch, the shot would have been gone. I think he had to try to bag that first time. Plus, the other thing is, is that in that instance of one-time shot, you've got the goalkeeper still trying to reestablish position. You take an extra touch, that's just enough time for a goalkeeper to set himself and be able to read a shot, you know, and make a save. I yeah. I, I don't have a problem with Cassie's decision to just try to go for it right away. He missed. It happens. It happens. Um, you know, so, but I'm with you. I think the draw was fair. I think that Milan might just be a tad lucky to have gotten out of there with the point. Yeah, um, I, I think that, that some of the injuries with Inter changed the course for Inter in a, in a fashion that they probably weren't comfortable with. Um, he went for Correa and Sanchez as his forwards. You know, there isn't the reference point as Bonetti likes to refer to with a striker. Um, but there's two guys that I think Inzaghi just tried to went, go for pulling Kair and, and Tomori apart. Yeah. You know, and, and Correa has been a notorious Milan killer too. So yeah. I can see why he came on. And it's an incomplete grade on that effort because they never really got a counterattacking opportunity to do that. You know, Milan kept Inter under for pretty much for the rest of the game. They just didn't get anything of quality aside from the Salamakers chance, uh, you know, toward the end of the game. There might have been one other chance in there that's escaping me. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say that fair result with Milan just being ever so slightly lucky to get out of there with a point. Yeah, and, and people want to focus in on the referee, which was atrocious. But I think what you should focus in on is that I think Inzaghi managed this game a little bit better than Pioli did and with the way the game was unfolding. And I think the back three plus, you know, Brozovic and even, you know, Barella and maybe some of the in the back wingbacks, they did such a great job shutting down Milan in the final third. And they really should get credit for that. Um, Ibra was held pretty much non-existent, had a great opportunity late in the in the game, missed it just wide. But I mean, other than that, he was really quite all game long. And, you know, Diaz couldn't do anything. Salamarks couldn't do anything. Um, Rabbits tried at the end of the game. He was probably the most successful, but it was Inter. Inter shutting him down, and Brozovic, who usually comes up big in these games, did again yeah. in this one. And he's got to be he's got to be mentioned in a man of the match performance. Tatarasano, obviously, with a big save. He's yeah. he's come up big for the Milan for Milan. Uh, for me, it's Bastoni, but you could really pick anyone in the back three 
uh, or even Brozovic for man of the match because I thought they were just all stellar. And, and uh, like you said, Inter probably should have walked walk away with a win. Milan missed their chances. Inter missed their chances, all, a lot of their chances. So 1-1, one, one, fair result. And I think both teams are happy that they're going away and really not losing track on the top or the bottom. They're, they're pretty much everyone in the top four drew themselves. So uh, it, it worked out, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for I'll go for a I mean men of the match. I mean, if you're looking at the interside, you're probably looking at Brozovic, and you're probably looking at Skriniar. Um, would probably be the two guys that I look at. Uh, for Milan, um, I I like Tamori's performance. Yeah, Tamori and Tonali too. And I would go with Tonali as well. Uh, I would I would say that you those would be the guys you're probably talking about. And I think a shout to uh, Tatra Sanu for the penalty save too, which helped preserve, which in the end preserved the point for Milan. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I thought maybe if we want to talk about maybe those five were probably the best performing players in the match. I agree. I relative agree. to the roles that they had. So um, missed opportunity for Milan. A win would have put them top, uh, would have put them 10 points clear of Inter, uh, which probably would have been important at this point in the season, but you know, Inter gives themselves a chance. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, they uh, they they get the point. Um, Milan are still joint top with Napoli, which we'll talk about them shortly. Uh, but yeah, a good, it's a well played game and a and a and a fair result. So yeah. agreed, agreed. We had another rivalry match uh, this weekend. Uh, Juventus and Fiorentina, Richard, um, at the J. Um, lining up for Juventus. Uh, Perrin gets the shout in goal. Uh, yeah. They go with Danilo, Rugani, uh, Delict, and Alexandro. Um, a midfield, a four-man midfield with Federico Chiesa on the right, Weston McKenney and Locatelli in the, midf- in, in the, in the middle. And... Um, one of Adam Digby's favorite decisions, if you follow him on Twitter, Adrian Rabio playing on the left mm-hmm. uh, with Paulo Dybala and Alvaro Morata up front. Um, your thoughts on the selection for Allegri? Honestly, the only head scratcher for me, sorry, Adam, but uh, you know, Rabio getting the start in this one. Um, he had some good plays in this game, but yeah, I probably, if I had a certain 11 for Juventus, I probably wouldn't pick him in my certain 11, but you know, you know, Allegri. He's done enough in his career where you really shouldn't question him. He has reasons for everything, whether it's a short rest because of, for the uh, European game or or what. Rabio gets to start, so yeah, it, was, yep. it, was a, it was a decent lineup for them. Yep. Um, again, personnel wise, I, I like it. Shape well, I don't know if I like. I mean, Rugani. I think they're trying to give Bonucci a rest um, and Chiellini to an extent. Um, I think they're trying to give those guys a rest because they're logging a lot of games. Um, and or or was there a suspension with one of them? Let me do that before I. Uh, well, Deshilio was out and Kane was double. No, no, they weren't suspended. Um, uh, and apparently, yeah, uh, Bonucci was available on the substitute. Both of them were available on the substitute bench. So there you go. They got they decided to just go with something different. Yeah. Personnel, yeah, this is fine. But again, I don't like Chiesa on the right with Dybala in front of him. I don't like the duplication. Um, You know, we talked about this last time. I think that they can be far more interesting if you space those two guys out. Um, But, you know, needless to say, that's what it is. Uh, The first half had no goals. Um, 
But uh, Fiorentina had a chance that uh, forced Panning into a save. Uh, and the only other thing we probably want to talk about the first half, the incident uh, that was not given a penalty for Fiorentina. Um, the ball came into the area. I'm trying to remember whose hand it struck from uh, Juventus. Do you remember the play? Do you remember the player? Is it Danilo? It might have been Danilo. Yeah. Um, I'm conflicted. Uh, I'm conflicted on whether or not that's a penalty. Uh, personally, yeah. I don't. I, you know, I know. I, I get. I get the shout for it. Um, and I know that this was just before halftime, uh, yep. and they took a look at it, but they they chose not to follow through and uh, award a penalty for Fiorentina before halftime. You okay with that? Yeah, that was such a tough play, and it's you know sometimes some of the times on these calls I, I I can I have a good read on what's going on. Other times I don't, and this is one of the situations where it's it's hard for me to read it. You look the replay. The more time you watch the replay, the more confused I am, and and I you know ultimately I guess it, I got to go with the referee on this one, and you know whatever. Sometimes if it's inconclusive, the referee's going to go with what his first decision is in VAR, and so um, yeah, I, I'm ultimately okay with it. Uh, not being called, but I'm sure Fiorentina fans will be are, are pissed off that it wasn't called for them that they couldn't get a, a chance to score a goal there. But uh, yeah, it's tight. Whenever these games, typically in these games, you want to let the play go. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes referee yeah. calls everything. Sometimes they call nothing. And this in this case, they didn't call it. So uh, rough for uh, Fiorentina. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly a 50-50 call, and I'm curious what others think about this. Yeah, I I I don't I don't think you give it as much as I, we like to talk about conspiracy theories and some of this other stuff and have, have our fun with it. Uh, I think in this case, I'm willing to be okay with just saying, yeah, this is, this isn't a penalty. I wouldn't give it and, and, you know, and move on. And Anthony's making a great point. Yeah. Fiorentina, you could argue was the better team in this game um, up until the, and, and deserved to get something out of it. But in the 73rd minute, Fiorentina, uh, Juve uh, start to get on the break and Milankovic commits a foul um, already being booked in the 66th minute, um, commits what we would call a professional foul, rush of blood to the head. One of those things, young, great defender, but also a young player that all of a sudden forgets that he's on a booking, um, commits the foul, gets sent off. I've got no problem with that. It stopped a, it, it, it was a, it was a clear professional foul to stop an attack going the other way. Um, and uh, a second booking, and he's off. I, I, I can't argue with the referee's decision here. Yeah, and there's really a, a five to ten minute span where this all happened, right? Because in the 65th or so, Milinkovic got his first yellow, and I think um, uh, Vincenzo Italiano got a red card for mouthing off the referee uh, yeah. for a similar play. It was a foul, and then Milinkovic, being a stupid idiot, uh, commits another play. Like I said, rush the blood to the head, youngster, committing a foul, probably, you know, looking at hindsight, probably didn't want to do that. And, you know, sure. Two reds within a space of minutes. Uh, I joked that it was all oh, this game is being regular. It was it was a foul. It was yeah. a foul by Milinkovic. Um, and so yeah, he's out puts his team in a hurting really. Um, and the reason Benovatura came out earlier because he was already on a yellow and he was looked like he was gonna get a red. Uh yeah. they, they didn't take on Milinkovic and maybe they don't have you know the options in defense, and he ends up getting a red get and it hurts a team. And uh yeah, a team that was playing so well had the opportunity to go up. I mean, Saponata had a great opportunity in the first half. Uh, now they're really in a hurt, and more than likely, when you play an Allegri team, being down a man, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. Yep, yep. It was uh, it was not smart, um, and it opened the door for Juventus to take over the match. They were generating chance after chance. Chiesa hits the crossbar, among others. But it would be 
a finish by Juan Cuadrado in the 91st minute that I I would prefer to criticize Terraciano uh, for allowing that for allowing to get beaten and on that angle at his near post um, by Cuadrado's finish. I mean, it was savvy of Cuadrado to see that that was there and slot it there, but. As a goalkeeper, that's not a goal you want to concede, especially with everybody working to try to preserve the point. Um, and especially when you're not the first-choice goalkeeper and if you're trying to make an impression on this team. Um, it's uh, So uh, the game ends. Yeah, Dr- Dragovsky didn't play. It was Terraciano. Yeah. Great chance for him to make a pres- an impression and preserve a clean sheet for Fiorentina down to 10 men, but makes a very, very critical error of goalkeeping, and Cuadrado takes good advantage of it. Juventus scoring in the 91st minute um, and getting a 1-0 victory. Uh, thoughts on this match and the impact for both teams? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Terraciano uh, was played so well in this game. You feel, yeah. you feel for him because, I, you know, he could have he stole man of the match had they had a draw. Um, sure. But you know, it wasn't for not, and, he, and the goal he gave up was a pretty bad one, short side. You never want to be beat short side in the way he was. Um, had no Cuadrado had no business scoring that goal, and he did. So, you know, kudos to him for putting the shot on target and getting the goal against his former team. Uh, but yeah, you know, ultimately that is a, a punch in the gut for not only Terraciano but also for Fiorentina. Um, I thought they played fairly well. They could have they could have moved up into. Just outside of the Champions League spots would have been would have been fantastic for them, considering where they've been the last like five years or so, or even yeah. more. Uh, so, I mean, I guess currently they're tied with Juventus now. Juventus just tied them uh, with that win. Um, I don't think they're they're too alarmed about the position they are on the table because uh, they're still in the top ten, and they're still you know if they if they continue to play well the rest of the season, they can they can they're in a European spot, right? Uh, just keep playing. Who, who knows where the ceiling is for them? But uh, I don't think they'll be. They're they're angry, but they're not too upset that they lost. I think that um, there's still a long season to go, and they can certainly nick a lot of teams uh, going down the stretch. But uh, yeah, it's, you never want to lose to a rival like Juventus, and uh, especially the way you go down going down a man, uh, it, it hurts. They're gonna look at missed chances, and um, you know next time hopefully. They're going to try to be a little bit more clinical on these opportunities. Vlahovic had some opportunities, but he was too quiet for me, I think. And full credit goes to the Juventus defense for shutting him down. Allegri really set up his team to uh, uh, minimize his impact in the game. Um, Fiorentina started strong, but as the game went on, Juventus slowly started taking over. And especially when that went up the, went up a man, uh, Juventus really started trying to get that goal, and they finally got it. Um, Fiorentina have played six of the seven sisters in their first 12 games um, and have only come away with three points, uh, a win over uh, Atalanta. So which tells me though, they they're still up high on the table. That means they're taking care of business for everywhere else, which is good because that was always a a big problem with them in the past where they couldn't even beat the teams below them. Now they're at least beating them. They're almost like a, a Lazio or Romo have been in the past years where they beat everybody except for the seven sisters. So it's not terrible, but they, it could improve in that respect for sure. They get Milan uh, after the break at home. You know, if they can get something out of that, and it's not out of the question. I mean, I think that Milan are going to win that game. But then, you know, the next the next five games after that, they put themselves in a position where they can get themselves in somewhere in the 30 to 31 point range after the first half of the season. Then, yeah, that's that's pretty serious stuff. 
and, and, and they've got the quality to do that. So we'll have to see what happens, um, you know, for their sake. But I think that that, um, that's an important, uh, you know, if they can, they, they need to beat Milan and get out of the, if they can beat Milan, it really sets the tone for them, um, and can help get them into a pretty good position working their way up the table with the remaining five games. Let's look at their, um, or actually remaining six games, I should say, uh, before they have to play Roma again. So after they are at Fiorentina, then they're, or, or they're hosting Milan, um, at Empoli, hosting Sampdoria at Bologna, hosting Salernitana, hosting Sassuolo, a good Veron team, uh, and then hosting Udinese, who's been tough, and then at Torino. And then, you know, so there is some winnable games here for them. Um, you know, we'll just uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. There's some very winnable games for them. And if they, like to your point, they got to keep winning those kinds of games to try to scratch out a European place, which I still think they're capable of doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, for Juventus, um, they are eighth or seventh, if you want to look at it that way, since they, they beat Fiorentina. Uh, but it has been this uh, run of inconsistency, seven points from their last five games. Uh, this win snaps – uh, does it snap? I never remember what direction this thing goes in. Um, yeah, it snaps a two game, uh, two game losing streak. They had lost to Sassuolo, they had lost to Verona, so then they regroup and beat Fiorentina. Um, thoughts on Juve? Is this one of those where they benefit from the red card and you know, the good teams take advantage of this and find a way to get the three points or? And, and you're still concerned long-term or in their play and in the selections of Allegri, are you starting to see some signs that they're kind of getting out of this early season funk? No, I mean, I don't think it's the selections. I just think the team isn't playing well. Um, mm. Long-term, I'm still, I'm still worried about this. You still had the flashes of glim- the glimpse where you had, uh, I think Cuadrado crossed it in and Morata scored a goal in, in the game, but it was taken off because of offsides. That was a great play, but you don't see enough of that in the game. Uh, they're too inconsistent. They can't find the set right pieces. They really need to build around Paulo Dybala, who who can take him to that next level. Um, it's just way too inconsistent at the moment. They had a little bit of a reprieve uh, uh, winning in, in Europe, four two or something like that. Um, but this game, still, you know, if this is old Juve, uh, if this is Allegri one point a one nothing lead. This would, the goal would have been scored early, and it would have shut up shot for the whole game. This is not what happened. They had to fight and claw their way, trying to get that one goal. Uh, full credit to Fiorentina. It's a fantastic team. Vincenzo Tigliano is doing a magnificent job over there. But this team does look, this looks very disjointed at the moment. Mm. Um, and so I think Inter still have a lot of work to do to get really into uh, a strong hole into the European spot, which at this moment doesn't look like it's likely – uh, because of all the consistencies, they really need to get really hot here. Maybe they can use this two-week break, the international break, to kind of regroup, go back into Litito, even though they just came from there. Uh, maybe they're still in there. I don't know. Uh, mm. But they, they need to still figure things out. They're not quite there yet, at least defensively. They're not giving up as many goals anymore, at least the last couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, long way to go before I think either I think they're okay or even Juventini, especially. They're, they're the hard critics there. Um, a long way before they're they're we're going to be happy with them. So, sure, sure. All right. Um, so that's our take on the Juve Fiorentina game. Um, 
a bit unlucky for Fiorentina. Uh, obviously, the red card changed the game. Juventus winning and getting the key three points. Now on to the first half of the rest, and everything started on Friday, Richard, with Empoli and Genoa. This finished 2-2. Uh, a handball to start, but you know what? Empoli were shocking in the first half. Um, yeah. I, surprisingly so. I thought this was a game that they could take advantage of. Domenico Crescito, uh with the penalty in the 13th minute. That would give Genoa the 1-0 lead. Um, in the 62nd minute, Federico Di Francesco uh, scoring uh, to level the match. And then Empoli would pull ahead through a goal of the week candidate, Simon Zerkowski. Uh, uh, assisted by Fabiana Parisi. So it was uh, a substitutes linking up for the goal uh, that would put Empoli ahead. Uh, Andre Atzoli is a genius, isn't he? Uh, anybody's a genius when you get five sub. Anybody can look like a genius when you're given five substitutions. That has to stop now. Let's get back to three and make these guys think. Yeah. Um, and then, but it was uh, all for naught in the 89th minute. Flavio Bianchi from Felipe Caicedo. Caicedo was terrific in this game. Um, two to draw. Uh, uh, but it would not be a happy ending for Davide Balladini. He is out. Andrei Shevchenko is back in our lives as manager of Genoa. I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy to have uh, Shevchenko back in Serie A. Yeah. A great place. Hey, Milan plucks their people from Genoa. And if it doesn't work out with Pioli, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, At least he's starting with Genoa and now with a big club, right? Because that could ruin managers. So, Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the bar's low for him. You know, I, I mean, he has to figure out how to transform this side into an attacking side, into the mold with how he, you know, had the Ukraine play. Um, and uh, does he have the personnel to do it? I kind of think that he does. Uh, but don't you know turn into this team and then all of a sudden get really, really weak defensively and concede a lot of goals. And I think that this is a Genoa team that, I think as Shevchenko massages his concepts into things, I think that they go that direction. And I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, three, one defeats, some two, two draws, some, you know, some games like that. I think you're going to see a lot of goals in Genoa games going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. And, uh, you know, the, the first goal that Genoa scored a penalty, uh, I'm conflicted with that penalty call because I thought Pinamonti, yes, it was a handball, I yeah. thought he was outside of the box. Every angle I saw, and maybe there's an angle I missed, and, and, and I, I will admit that I'm wrong, but it looked like he was outside the box. I thought it was a harsh penalty against Empoli, but it is what it is. It doesn't matter. They, they tie the game. Ballardini's out. Shevchenko's in. I'm excited. I'm happy that he got it. I mean, he did a m- remarkable job at, at, at the Ukraine. So, um, yeah, let's see what he does at uh, Genoa. And there's some pieces there that can uh, make uh, – he can make a decent impact on the team, and let's see what let's see what he does there. Um, I'm curious to see how the team unfolds with him. Hopefully, you know, I wish him the best, and hopefully, uh, for Genoa's sake, they can get you know out of the get away from the relegation zone and and at least get in the middle of the, of the pack so they're uh, don't have to worry about that because uh, Sampdoria also are another team that's struggling. But we'll get to them. Mm-hmm. Spezia Torino, a one 0 win for Spezia. Uh, goal of the week for me, Jacopo Sala from distance, a banger, uh, giving Spezia the win. Um, uh, Andrea Bellotti is going to start turning up on milk cartons before we know it. <laughs> um, oh gosh, has he gotten bad? I mean, he's trending yeah. toward crap. Like you said, he's trending toward crap on a cracker. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's not looking good. I mean, he was, he was poor in this game too. A game that you would think with Spezia having some deficiencies defensively, this, if, if 
there was going to be a game for Belotti to get right, it would be this one, and he got Didn't he hit a post? Did he hit a post, I think, in this one? I, I forget, think but... that was his one chance, yeah. But he got hooked after 58 minutes. Yeah, Sanabria so, came on. Yep, Sanabria came on. So uh, not looking good and, you know, really, you know, damning for his prospects with the Azzurri. Obviously, Mancini trusts him to be the guy behind Immobile. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Atalanta at Cagliari. It was Atalanta's turn to to to, to beat up on this Cagliari, this underachieving, disgusting Cagliari team. Um, it was a two-one win for Atalanta. Mario Pasolic wide open. Cagliari players don't even bother to mark people. Um, he scores, uh, giving Atalanta the one-nil lead. Some hope, uh, though, for the Sardinians. A, a wonderful long ball played by Diego Godin, finding João Pedro. João Pedro making it one-one. That was in the twenty-seventh minute, but just before halftime, Duvan Zapata, um, in the very essence of hold-up play, getting the ball in from to his feet from Coop Miners. Wonderful turn and finish uh, to put Atalanta up. 2-1, and that's how the match would finish. Uh, Atalanta's 63% possession, outshot Cagliari 21-7, eight shots on goal to one. So Cranio was amazing. Cranio had a Cranio game, and uh, good thing he did, or else this would have been a lot uglier for Cagliari. You know, and I uh, think Cagliari did actually fairly decent in this game, I thought. Uh, they had their chances on their on their own, but obviously majority of the play was Atalanta on their end, and uh, Cranio came up big, and there's a reason why he got called up to Azzurri. So, uh, yeah. Not enough, unfortunately. So that was statistical dominance on the part of Atalanta, and they close out with the three points. Now let's go to statistical dominance on the part of a team that lost. Uh, Venezia three, Roma two. Um, Mattia Caldara in the third minute. Yes, him. Same guy. Um, <laughs> putting Venezia ahead, sending that stadium into delirium. Does that is that is that stadium on its own island? <laughs> it seems like it. It seems like it. I mean, uh, if you look outside the stadium, I mean, it is Venice. So, yes, yes. but you look outside that stadium, and it's just all water. It's yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's uh, claims for a handball or not handball. Claims for a penalty in the ninth minute for Roma. Um, ultimately canceled. I think they got they There's of all the things people got wrong, this one they got right. Yeah, it was offside. I think it was the ultimate call. I mean, it was yeah. a penalty, but it was offside, so it negated that. So sure, yeah. sure. Uh, Eldor, the kind of the cult hero of uh, Roma, puts Roma ahead in the four or levels Roma in the forty. I thought you were going to stay up Syria. Sit down. <laughs> no, we don't talk about Eldor enough to for the cult hero Not status enough. here. Yeah. Uh, and then Tammy Abraham, I mean, going to be honorable mention goal of the week candidate for me. Scored a man's goal, uh, fighting off some defenders. Uh, just before halftime to put Roma ahead 2-1, but uh, then a penalty to Venezia in the 65th minute, Mattia Aramu uh, converting that, and then you got him, play him. I rated him way back at the beginning, way back at the beginning at the preview, Venezia. Keep this guy out there. He's going to score goals for you. David Okareki with the winner in the 74th minute, played in by Ethan Ampadu. Um uh, another prim- Premier League re- Premier League reject trying to make his bones here in City. Ah, three two to Venezia, but it doesn't even tell the story. Roma sixty one percent possession, outshot Venezia twenty seven to thirteen. Eleven of those on target. Uh, so Sergio Romero uh, of Manchester United fame, among other places, yeah. balled out in goal, uh, yeah. made nine saves. Um, boy, he has been helpful in Venezia. My 
my my team. I said they'd survive. I'm pulling for them. I want to keep those. I want to keep those kits in Serie A for as long as we can, yeah, man. Give me a and they, kit. And they are fifteenth. They are fifteenth. Wow. It's them. uh it's it's great to see them. It's it's great to see them win here. But I mean, is this is this you know just a, a an unlucky day for Roma or yes, because I thought the penalty that they ultimately got Venezia uh shouldn't have counted. I thought Cristante was done hard because I think he's the one who had him getting the foul against Caldara. What it looked like to me is that Caldara kicked Cristante and mm. got the foul, and, I, and so uh, I and I watched it a bunch of times, and I, I thought Roma got a hard done on that play for real. But uh, you know, Venezia deserved the win; they played their hearts out. Um, Ocareke with a great goal for the for the game winner. Roma, yes, they were done hard, but I think they should have done better too. When they had the two one lead, you let the team like Venezia come back into the game and then take the lead. You know, that's uh, lack of discipline. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, there's no way when you when you take a lead on Venezia, I get it, they're at home and they can be daunting plays, but come on, you're Roma. You have aspirations for being in yep. Champions League. You need to shut it down when you play a team like this, get the lead. It's it's uh, unfortunate for them, and Marino's um, seat's going to start getting warmer here. You need to figure something out defensively because they've looked very poor. I mean, he made excuses in the Milan game. What's he going to say now against Venezia? Their jerseys too nice? What's going to say? The weather's too beautiful? I don't know what his excuse is going to be this time, so... Uh, it's getting hot for Mourinho. I don't know. Well, I mean, here's the thing that I'm starting to get, and 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 some of this, and people are going to say, "Well, that's Mourinho." So what? You know, I, I can't. The comment he made after the Milan game, where he said Milan can go to this, this guy, and this guy, and I've got Darbo and VR. You wanted this job, okay? You wanted this job, and these yeah. are the players that are there. All right, you can't you can't sit there and complain about it. Listen, I. There might have been a time where making those kind of comments in the players, in in the papers about your players, would motivate them. Okay, I don't I don't think the psychology of today's player appreciates that. All right, and they're going to be like, you know what? the The owner is going to the owner's the owner's going to side with me. I'm under a contract to play here, and he can sack the manager anytime he wants. Yeah, you know if you know I just 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 manage the team. You know, I mean, I think that there are moments where this Roma team looks like they could turn a corner and and be the team that be and can break through and get themselves back into being a top four team. But Mourinho's act, this is the, and this is the thing that I was worried about. His act is going to wear thin. Yeah. And, you know, today I'm going to just brush it. I'm going to say unlucky. All right. When I look at those statistics, I would say you normally walk. You normally walk over the other team. I mean, hell, we saw this with Milan under Gattuso when they played Benevento a few years back. They just, I mean, it was just they threw jab after jab after jab after jab, and then Benevento just hit them on connected on the right hook or the right uppercut. But what's Mourinho's and, excuse for tying both glimpse after getting beat by them the first time? Right? It's it's referee decisions. He blamed the referee. He he or the yeah. I remember the interview. The, the the reporter was trying to bait him into saying, "Hey, the referee screwed you, didn't he?" And, you know, and and Mourinho yeah. was trying to get the reporter to say, "You say it." Yeah. You know. And, you say it. Uh, you watch. You were at the game. game. You watch the game. Yeah. It's and after like, this game, he said that like, oh, uh, you know, I don't have enough players to bring in in this card. You spent what did he spend like a hundred million euros to bring in players yeah. in the offseason? What kind of excuse is that? Oh, I don't have any players. You brought those players in. Shut the hell up. 
Yeah, um, I mean, just they need to do better. That's all it is. Just say it, you know. Yeah, and be a manager, manager men, and get it figured out, and stop going to the paper, stop complaining about this, stop complaining about that. Okay, you walked into this job, you know. I mean, you had to know what you were getting into. You can't complain about the players that are available to you when you knew what you were getting into. It's just it's it's a sorry it's a sorry state of affairs, you know. And when and maybe he's trying to take the attention off of the players and and put it on himself. There's yeah, there's some elements that. of that going on. He does yeah. that a lot. Yeah, you know, um, does the same thing. Right, but so, but when you're not when you're struggling, and you've just had a run of results that aren't going your way. Yeah. Complaining about who you got or complaining is not going to make it any better. Yeah. Get back to the tree. You know, I, I you know, a, a decorated manager, a guy of his resume, I don't need to tell him this. Just get back to the training ground, sort it out, and get back out and go win the next match and try to get things and try to get things turned around. That's that's I mean, that's all it is. That's what they've got to that's what he's got to do. Stop yep. making excuses, stop complaining, stop living on your past CV. None of us care. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we podcasters and we fans, we're a, what have you done for us lately? Kind of bunch. Okay. Right. You know, you know, we've got some Milan people that will, will, will revel in the glory days of the, the, the Saki years and stuff like me, me being one of them. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the end, what have you done for us lately? And yeah. you know, you're, you're only good as your last match and your last match is a loss, no matter how many shots you took. Yeah, so it's a good squad. Just figure it out mentally. Figure it out. Yep, yep. So, uh, anything else from those games that uh, caught your attention? Yeah, like I said, I thought Cagliari did a good job to create some chances themselves. Had some opportunities against Atalanta. Atalanta, yes, they're going to hog the lion's share of the possession and shots, but you know they did they did admirably. And unfortunately, you know didn't put up enough against Atalanta. Torino, shocking result to Spezia. Good for Spezia. I mean, great goal that that beat them, but. Um, it's, if you know a team that has been playing so well this season to lose to Spezia like that, I think obviously you're going to give credit to Spezia, but Torino needs to do more. And Belotti struggles continue, and that's worrying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm excited for Shevchenko come to Genoa, and I think uh, I'm happy it's for Venezia. Venezia yep. with their win today, like you said, move with the 15. That's that's fantastic. So yeah, that's awesome for Venezia. I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm really happy. Uh, you know, to see how they're doing and to see the start that they've gotten off to. It's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, those were mine. How about yours? Yeah. Well, we just talked about one manager change at Genoa. We might have another one at Sampdoria. Sampdoria hosting Bologna. Uh, goal scoring will start in the 47th minute in the second half. Goal of the week candidate by Svanberg. Uh, Svanberg with a nice goal there in the 47th. And then Thorsby wouldn't get a goal in the 77th. Make it 1 1. Uh, but that lead or that, that, the level of score lasted for just a minute. Arnautovic with a nice header. Uh, 2-1 Bologna win against Sampdoria at Sampdoria. Uh, the Versa seat's going to be hot right now if it's not already. Uh, moving on to Udinese Sassuolo. This game always had the implication of being a fantastic game, but it's always never lived up to the hype. It lived up to the hype this weekend. Uh, a fantastic game. Goal story started by Delofeo in the eighth minute. A wonderful goal by him. Uh, Barardi would come back with a goal in the 15th. Uh, and then Fratesi, goal of the week candidate in the 28th, made it 2-1. to one. Uh, Just before halftime, an own goal this time by Fratesi. Uh, made it 1-1 going into halftime. And then Beto with a nice goal. Nice play, really. 
uh, by Udinese, two to one, or excuse me, three two. Udinese beats Sassuolo at home. Uh, fantastic match if you're neutral. Also, if you're a Udinese supporter, like uh, maybe Sonia Misio, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But great result there for Udinese. Uh, moving on, Lazio hosting Salernitana. Uh, goal scoring started in the 31st minute. Immobile off a nice little heading pass, I guess you want to call it, by Pedro. Uh, this is now. I'm going to pick him as my new Capinari pick. So beware, Lazio fans. He may get traded in January. <laughs> um, so one nothing at that point. Uh, five minutes later, Pedro will get his own goal. Nice goal after a giveaway, a turnover there. Uh, slots it past the keeper. Two nothing going into halftime. Uh, coming out of the break, uh, Luis Alberto would make an entrance to the game. He would get a goal in the 69th minute. Very nice, well done. Uh, nominee for a goal of the week. 3-0 Lazio beat Salernitana. Salernitana did pretty well in the first half, but uh, uh, after that, after those goals came in, it was just all Lazio at that point. So a yeah. good result for Lazio there. And then to round out my batch, a game that ended just before the Milan game, Napoli hosting Hellas. Uh, this is a, a big game, a good game, really. Uh, two teams who um, have been playing well this season, especially Hellas coming out of nowhere, right? Uh, right. Goal scoring started with one probably the most informed guy in Serie A, I'm talking about El Cholito Simeone getting a goal in the 13th minute. Uh, up to the goal, it was really Hellas doing a good job of negating everything that, that Napoli could do. Uh, Simeone got a nice goal. Barak with a fantastic play against Mario Ruiz just embarrassed him uh, to get open in, in the box and then find uh, Simeone who you know who beats his defender. Uh, I think it was Juan Jesus who was covering for Koulibaly who was out with the red card. Uh, so one nothing. Hellas got the lead on on, on uh, Napoli. That, unfortunately, woke up Napoli. Napoli really started playing really well after that. Uh, Di Lorenzo with a nice goal in the 18th minute made a 1-1. Uh, and really, this game was a fascinating game. I, you know, uh, If you're watching as a neutral, you know, Hellas did a good job in this game, I thought. But I thought Napoli really started getting a swagger in this. And Guisa was fantastic once again. Uh, Zelensky, I mean, the whole bunch. I mean, this Napoli team is really legit. Uh, even when they don't have Koulibaly in there. Uh, they had some worrying moments. Uh, Ospina had to make some big saves against Hellas. Hellas is a good team too, but uh, Napoli and, and Hellas share the points 1-1, Frank. Um, where do you want to go with these games? Um, do you see the uh, Berardi goal, though? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oopsie. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was just one That was one comment that I made. Um yeah, I think Napoli, you know, clearly Napoli were unlucky, but I mean, I think some of this was their own doing. Um, they didn't bring their shooting boots. Uh, the only shot on target was the one they scored. So uh, th- that's a problem. Um, but, you know, they dominated possession and then you, you but you still got a Verona team that's going to be dangerous going the other way. Simeone, yeah. clever run, clever positioning to score the goal. He's obviously coming on. How about my boy Fratesi? Yeah, uh, scoring again. Um, you know, continuing to uh, continuing to turn in good performances. I mean, all for naught. You had, uh, as VJ says, potential Azuri player here. Uh, you know, starter as a forward here. So, yep, yep. I uh, I think we uh, hyped him up after the uh, first week. Uh, after match week one, after seeing, because he was the guy that you wanted to ask some questions about, because he was the guy that was ultimately taking over for Locatelli in that setup. Yeah. You know, he's playing well. Um, it looks like uh, Udinese have found themselves a new striker. Uh, Beto, four goals now. I like in, him a lot. He's good. In 10 games. I rate him. Big uh, guy with, with the technical ability. And I'll tell you what, with the guys around him, Pereira and, and De Lufeu, and then, you know, when you've got guys like Molina, um, 
Arslan, yeah. who, you know, unfortunately Arslan got hurt in this game. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember the fellow that they sometimes play over on the left hand side. Uh, that oh, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a wing back, not Zegalar. No. Um, uh, the other yeah. fella. Um, I'm a little but, going crazy, but yeah, I yeah, it's yeah, it's driving me nuts. But anyway, um, but then they've got other players like you know Nesterovsky, who's a veteran success, uh, Isaac Success, who yeah, and not great, you know, but can be a nuisance when when he asks me. I mean, this is an Udinese team that they're going to bother some people. They're going to take some points off some people that they're going to inconvenience some of these contenders. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, and they got to win here against Sassuolo. Now that's two losses on the bounce for Sassuolo after beating Juventus. It's almost like they got this hangover um, right now. You know, going on. Lazio had to get this done against Salernitana. Against Salernitana. Um, but you know, quietly unbeaten now in three games in league. Um, you know, and drawing, uh, beating Fiorentina, drawing Atalanta before this. So. You know, after taking that beating by Verona, do you wonder if they have gotten starting to get things figured out? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. This was a home date against Salernitana. Of course, you're supposed to get three points. But when you group that with the draw against Atalanta that they were actually very close to winning yeah. and then beating Fiorentina, um, maybe there's something to this Saudi ball right now. Uh, yeah. So that's something we better keep an eye on here going forward. Um, Sampdoria, you know, you're, you're almost starting to put them into the same category. And I mean, it's a matter of time before Ferrero asks Diversa to, uh, come into his office, close the door behind him and sit down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, it's, it, this can't last much longer. This is too talented. Just like Calgary, we got Sampdoria and Calgary in the drop and two teams that are loaded with talent that Serie A clubs yeah. would love to have. Yeah. I mean, two teams that are underachieving badly right now um, and are going to need to start piling piling up some wins and putting some things together. You know, Sampdoria are better than Genoa on talent. They're better than Spezia yeah. and Venezia. Um, I'll, and yeah. I'll slightly edge them past Udinese right now, but that might change in a few weeks the more I watch Luca Gotti's team play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're better than Empoli. And they're probably better than – I mean, they should be better than Bologna, but they lose to him at home today. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's shocking. Uh, so not only did they lose to him, they got outplayed. Yeah. I mean, Mihailovic's guys look good today. Yeah. Um, Arnautovic, you know, Svanberg getting the goal. You had Soriano and Barrow causing some problems as usual. Um, you know, I, they turned in a good performance. They beat a Sampdoria team that doesn't look like they can figure it out right now. Yeah. Um, and when I look at a team like when I look at this team, I I think the back four is broken. I think that Yoshida is starting to get a little long in the tooth. He play, he he had a lot of years with your South, Southampton team, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A long time. He's uh he's getting up there in age, too. So, yeah, he's uh his best days are way behind him. They brought in Omar Kali, uh from was it Ganker from Ghent, one of the Belgian clubs. Yeah. to be the replacement for Joachim Anderson, and he has just not panned out. Uh, yeah. You know, and then you're looking at, you know, they, they get a rotation of midfielders. It was Torres being Ekdal in the middle today. Um, you've seen Adrian Silva show up in there 
Um, you know, you've got Kondreva who can provide a dangerous ball, and you've got two strikers that should be able to get in position to score it. I, I but something's not. I mean, I, it just this team's just they're badly underachieving right now. I mean, in the, it's the same thing as Calgary. I mean, there's too much talent for those teams to be 18th and 20th respectively. Um, you know, and then finally coming back to Napoli, uh, this is you know, Verona's good, guys. I mean, yeah, ask everybody else how uh, what they think. Ask Juventus how Verona is. Ask Milan. Milan had to come back from 2-0 down to beat them. Yeah. Okay? This is a good, talented side. They have gotten – they have maxed – they have given – Giovanni Simeone is reborn. Okay? Yeah. Antonin Barak is a very underrated midfield player in this league. Yes. yes. Um, very underrated. Um, Gianluca Caprati is a creator and is a veteran in this league. That is a dangerous trio that you've got going forward. You've got veteran in Miguel Veloso. Adrian Tamezi is an Atalanta reject. Um, that Which means he's good. And he's a good player. <laughs> he could play on Atalanta right now. Yeah. Um, you, they, you got Faroni. You had this. Uh, you had Nicolo Casale on the left today in, in this game where, where normally it's Lazovic. You know, in the back three is decent. You know, yeah, yeah it's – it's a it's a good side. Napoli. I, I know that they were upset with a lot of refer- fans were upset with a lot of refereeing decisions that went on in this game. Yeah. Um. I, actually, I was too. And I'm glad you brought that up because I thought this was another game that had piss poor refereeing. Hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of calls were missing this one. There was a potential penalty that was missed. Uh, also, late in the game, they put up six minutes for stoppage time, and they didn't even play six minutes. They played five minutes. The referee blew the whistle. Hmm. Napoli was really coming in, coming in strong. Um. But Overall, it was a good game. I mean, Verona is a very good team. I didn't under, I don't, <laughs> the announcer, the commentator, for whatever reason, he said when Lasagna came on, he said, uh, Lasagna is one of the fastest forwards in the division. I'm like, what? You say this with uh, Osimhen on the pitch and, and, you know, Unas is on, on, the, on, on the other side as well. And all the, mm. all these strikers in the league, like, Lasagna? Like, I don't think so. But anyway, you know, Hellas is a good team. They're a good team. They're, I mean, despite the draw, uh, they're going to make it difficult for a lot of people. Like you said, so many good pieces on this team from front to back. Montipo, excellent keeper, had another great save late in the game. Um, but, you know, we should not overlook Napoli, who is uh, themselves a fantastic team. I think not enough people are speaking about Napoli uh, and how good they are. They are a legitimate you know, contender for Scudetto this year. And every time I see Elmas with his long hair and his number seven, I think of Cavani. And I have to be like, Cavani's, Cavani's long gone. Stop thinking about Cavani. He doesn't play in the midfield. Uh, but they got so many ta- so many talented players in every position at, at Napoli, and you know whether it's you know Osimhen or whomever, they get they, they know how to play their ball. And oh, by the way, they didn't forget Sadi ball. So back when Sadi was there, they used to make the cross pitch play from uh, Callejon to Lorenzo Insigne backdoor. Now they just do the opposite. No, no Callejon, so it's Lorenzo Insigne backdoor to Politano. They did that plenty of times in the game. Um, this is just a fun team to watch. You know, and Zelensky pulling the strings, it's just they're they're very complete. I would say that they probably need someone. Uh, Rahmani is not the who you want at center back, and probably Rui is probably not who you want at left back. But I think, minus those two pieces, this is a pretty complete team. Mm-hmm. You had a good got a good performance out of Juan Jesus today. Um, first game in two years or something crazy. Yeah, he played on Thursday in the Europa League at Legia, and he looked he, he actually looked decent there too. I mean, Spalletti's getting something out of him that the Roma coaches couldn't get, so we'll see. Um, but I mean, some of it is. I mean, how much of this though? And I don't want to. I don't want to. 
totally piss on Napoli's parade here, but how much of how much of this is schedule? Um, they opened with Venezia, Genoa. They beat Juventus when Juventus was really bad. Now they're just bad. Um, they beat they beat a Udinese team at a time when Udinese didn't have it all together. Okay, Cagliari. They got the win over Fiorentina, which is a which is impressive. But then I take a look at the rest of this. Only a draw against Roma. They still have Inter, Lazio, at Sassuolo, not uh, Atalanta, at Milan. Uh, between now and December nineteenth, we'll really see what they're made of. Then I mean, right? I saw what they did against Leicester. That was enough for me to say like this team is legit. But you're right. They they got some tough teams coming up here in the next month or so. Uh if they come out of that in a similar form, look out. But yeah, yep. a lot to play for still for them. Yep. Agreed. And you know, Milan has just I mean, a, for Milan it's a little bit easier of a stretch. They do go to Fiorentina when they come back. Um they host Sassuolo who are kind of stumbling. They host Salern- they're at Genoa, they host Salernitana. Uh, at Udinese, then they host Napoli. So slightly softer for Milan, but not anything that you can get carried away with. And I'm already taking a look at the like second half fixtures. They've actually scrambled around the order. You know, we're in the press. If you played, so it's all scrambled. If you played, it used to be the same thing on the match day one. Usually, you would play yep. the reverse fixture on match day twenty. Yeah. Okay. If you played a Matt, whoever you played on match day nineteen, you play in the reverse picture. I was just kind of peeking through the rest of the schedule. They've scrambled all that up for the second, you know, for the second round of fixtures, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it 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 mixes up the schedule a little bit, and I think that that's a that's a nice dynamic. I think that that's something that's going to be fan friendly. So we'll see. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and just a just a side comment, but it's an you know when I'm right now looking at Napoli Milan because it's they're, they're neck and neck you know Napoli's got a fixture list where you would maybe think logically by December 19th Milan are winter champions cue Art Morelli's uh, cartoon yeah <laughs> there you go that was terrible by the thank way you. thank you uh, <laughs> um so you know so that's you know, it, it could it could very well be that way again. We'll see. I mean, I just I, I think that Napoli has a schedule that you could see them start to drop some more points here over the next few weeks. But you never know with Milan either. So, um, you know, so we'll see what happens. But yeah. goals of the week. All right. Uh, honorable mention for me, Cuadrado, his game winner, plus uh, Zorkowski. His goal was a nice goal for Empoli there. Uh, my top five is probably going to be different from yours. I can tell already just from number five. Number five for me is Salah with his nice long-range goal for him uh, for Spezia. Number four for me, Fratesi. I really liked his goal that he scored there. Uh, Okereke coming in number three for me. I really loved his game winner there on the breakaway. Uh, lovely move to you know do a fake to the goalkeeper and then score past them. Number two, I'm going with Tatarasanu with the penalty kick save. I thought great play of the week there. And my number one play of the week, yes, I said play of the week, it's hops uh, for Venezia. Goal line clearance with a like bicycle kick off the goal line. Literally, it was all, okay. inches away from giving a goal for Roma. Uh, wonderfully done there. You, ha- you have to watch replay several times. It's so wonderfully done by hops. So that's my top five plays of the week. Okay, so I, I just I went purely with goals. And at number five, I've got Giovanni Simeone. Um, number four, I love the Luis Alberto goal. You're not going to close me down? Okay, I'm shooting here. 
Um, and I'm curling it and it's going into the back post. It's, it's going to hit the post and go in. Uh, the Okereke goal for me was number three. Zerkovsky, number two. Jakob Osala for Spezia is my goal of the week. So, right on. Uh, let's move on to Azzurri. Very, very important game. Friday at home against Switzerland. Yeah, that Morello injuries now is going to be something for that. Well, and Manuel Locatelli, your table is ready. There it is. So let's uh, break down the Atsuri. Do you have the uh, call? I have ups? the lineup in front of me. I don't have it to bring it up to show, show everyone. But uh, in goal, we have Cranio, Donnarumma, Moret, and Sirigu. Oh, he took four this time, huh? He took four this time. Uh, in defense, we got Acerbi, Bastoni, Biragi, Bonucci, Calabria, Chiellini, Di Lorenzo, Emerson, and Mancini. Yeah, don't have a problem with any of those guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm trying to think that if we wanted to take out Mancini, who would you who would you bring in? Um, I, I and I don't think we've I don't think we've got anybody that. Deserves to get in over him. Nothing that's popping up top of my head, no. Right. No. Uh, looking at the midfield, uh, Barella, who was injured, Cristante, Jorginho, Locatelli, Pellegrini, Pobega, Tonali, and Zagnolo. How does Cristante still get into this team? Uh, every every coach has got their player, right? I guess. I, I <laughs> This would have been a great a great opportunity to give uh, – Verratti – did you say Verratti? No, uh, he's – No, Verratti. Novarati, he's hurt, isn't he? I think he's hurt. And okay. I thought, and, I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I heard that Zaniolo and Moise Kane were kept off because of their, for discipline reasons. Uh, but I see Zaniolo on the call-ups left, so maybe that it wasn't true. Maybe I'm just hearing that. Maybe it was somebody else. I'm, maybe I thought it was Zaniolo. I don't know. Mm, okay. Well, I um, can't say that I'm too cool with... Uh, can't say, yeah, I'm happy for Pobega. I agree with you, VJ. I... I would love to see Fratesi. Fratesi, I don't know if he's played his way into a into a shot just yet, but I think some of the recent games, I hope it at the at a very minimum, Mancini has taken a long hard look at him. Yeah. Um, happy for know, Tonali. Just, happy for Tonali. Tonali deserves the opportunity. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, Verratti's out, Barella's out. It's you know that's where it's going to be key if he can. Come up with the right midfield is Jorginho's in the team, right? You said Jorginho, right? Jorginho, yes. No Sensi. No Sensi. Well, yeah. so. Sensi's hardly played. It doesn't, so. have, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for Mancini. He always seems to pick him. <laughs> no, I mean, Sensi, yeah, I, I guess you got you, but you got to play a little bit at least, don't you think? Yeah. 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 So, um, any uh, thoughts to just in the midfield? Uh, the Fiorentina guys, uh, Bonaventura, Castrovilli, do you think that? You know, maybe they should have gotten some consideration considering Fiorentina's form. Castrovilli, certainly. I don't know about Bonaventura. I think he's... Yeah, uh, probably a reach for him. Pat. Yeah, it's a reach for him. But Castrovilli, why not? Uh, he's not playing any worse than anybody else on this list. So, uh, sure. why not? Sure. All right. Forwards? Uh, forwards, we got Belotti, Berardi, Bernadeschi, Chiesa, Immobile, Insigne, and Raspadori. Yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, I... I I think Belotti's in on merit, yeah, um, and nothing else because form it's just garbage. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see what Mancini does with that when he has to call on a substitute for Immobile. 
Um, I would think you go you go with Raspadori right now. I think he's earned his way I ahead. Agree. I agree. Raspadori is somebody who I'm excited to see with the Azzurri. With, with him and, and Fratesi, I think, both of them were on the pitch at the same time. I mean, I know Barardi's there, so you got he got that. But uh, yeah. Raspadori seemed like the most logical place person to uh, replace um, Berardi, or excuse me, um, Immobile. I guess you could put Belotti. He might still be second to pecking order for Mancini because uh, just on merit. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think Raspadori has a slight advantage, in my opinion, based on current yep. form. Yep, agreed. I I can't complain. At least he didn't take El Shadawi. Yeah, so. yeah, not this time. <laughs> oh my! So yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't complain about it. Let's look at it. I mean, they're going to play Switzerland on uh, Friday. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we know where the danger is with Switzerland. Shakiri starting to come into some form, playing for Lyon. Um, Briel Mbolo is a guy you're familiar with. Yeah, uh, you know, a guy that could be dangerous in the uh, up front, Harris Safarovic. You know, that's called, those are kind of the danger guys. Uh, another guy you got, another guy you got to watch out for if he's in the team is Zuber. <clears throat> yeah. um, Shaka playing tends, too, Granite Shaka. Yeah, I would believe he would be in the midfield. Yeah. Um, but uh, so these are these are guys that um, these are probably the guys you got to be careful with. Uh, you know, you're going to have Ricardo Rodriguez factoring in there too. He's going to know, know a thing or two about playing Italy. Yep. Jan Sommer, um, good goalkeeper. Yep. So it's a, it's a talented squad. That said, it's in Italy. Okay. Um, do we have a, do we have a location for this? I don't see not one sure. here. Not sure. I'm not showing and, one here. You know, people got to remember, yes, yeah, Zuri played Switzerland in, in the Euros and, they, and we beat them, but this is the team that they played then was not the same team that that developed during the tournament because they developed into a really yep. good team during the tournament. So uh, this is a good team, uh, and so a lot on the line, you know, with a with a victory in this one. Sure, um, but I am going to go with Italy winning. I think they'll win two nil. Um, they're going to be pushed. They're going to be demanded to put in a performance uh, at home. Uh, I think that this is a group that knows what it means. There's the stigma of missing out on the last World Cup. And this game is the game that they need to win to go. You know, if, if they win this, there's no reason to think that they're not going to win qualifying directly out of their group and, and go to the World Cup. OK, and that's uh, yeah. the expectation that I have. It's a home match. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Um, they had the home field advantage at the Euros beat Switzerland 3-0. Switzerland will have about the same team. Italy won't quite have the same team. But remember, Italy didn't have Verratti when they played Switzerland either. So, you know, they it was a big game. It was a big game for Locatelli in particular. Um, and uh, I and I, he might be called into play in this game too. So I see Italy with the win. And I'm gonna go 2-0. Yeah, uh, I like that. Um I'm gonna go two one for Zuri. Okay. Okay. Uh and then they play Monday against at Northern Ireland. You got to think they're coming away with a win there. So, um, yeah, win win two games, get yourself in the driver's seat for direct qualification to the World Cup. So the game is a Stadio Olimpico. Stadio Olimpico. Okay, perfect, perfect atmosphere. That's where it was uh, when they won it when they beat them at the Euros. Yep. Uh, so. Let's do it again. Same venue. Why not? Jet? Why don't jinx it? Don't 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 mess around with having it anywhere else. So that means no podcast, right? No podcast for an international break. <laughs> yeah, we get to take next weekend off. There so you go. that's 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 been our thing. We we it don't want to. It's worked. 
Yeah, we want to stay out. We want to stay out of Italy's way. So. All right. So your thoughts on the Azzurri go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram with uh, Mancini's team. Who you'd like to see in that midfield in particular? Uh, we'll probably uh, maybe maybe we should do that. We should just ask you through our Twitter uh, page um, with uh, the recent with the recent injuries. Who starts in Italy's midfield on Friday against Switzerland? You're doing that now. I can do it. All right. So. Uh, me, I think it's Jorginho for sure. Probably Locatelli. Um, and then I think for the sake of continuity, what little there might be, I think it's Pellegrini. Um, what say you? Yeah, uh, I'd probably go Jorginho, Locatelli, and I mean, no, no, Barella, obviously. Um, no, I like your shout. I like your shout a lot. I think uh, I agree with I agree with what you said there. Yeah, um, yeah. Why not? Sure. Okay. Well, so that's our thoughts. But we'd love to hear from you at, on Twitter. Jump on, follow us at City. I sit down. Uh, you'll find the question, who should Mancini's starting midfield be against Switzerland? And uh, reply with your comment. So, And now, uh, the moment that everyone's been waiting for, the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, lead us off. All right, so I've got this, we're sharing it on the screen here. Uh, starting off, it's Icardi FC uh, nominating himself or herself or their self. Uh, and it's uh, so there's a, a thread going. So Marco Messina tweeted out saying the group chat with my Argentinian friends is going off once again. More Icardi drama. If you don't know Icardi and Wanda, the whole thing going back and forth. Wanda Gate. Icardi FC says there's never Icardi drama. This this is all media nonsense. Of course they're gonna be pro Icardi. Someone made a comment about Icardi not coming home, and they tweeted Milano needs Icardi more than Icardi needs Milano. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Is he going back to back? Saturnian at Saturnian 13. Uh, co-winner last week. Yeah. Technically speaking, it would be a back to back. But I'm already going to call this one as the leader in the clubhouse. AS Roma on aggregate have lost 2-8 to eight versus FK Bodo Glimt in the Conference League. If you've never heard of them, they're a small club based in Rome. <laughs> Lazio, Lazio around the world are laughing. <laughs> uh, and then Rafa connect, corrected 3, 8, 6, 1, and 2, 2. And I just said to Rafa, I said, I think he's trying to imply that since no one other than Roma fans watched it, do they really know the score? <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a very good tweet. Very good tweet. Leader the clubhouse. The Turnian is in the clubhouse right now. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Let's see what everybody else says. Uh, Inter Philly is next. Inter Philly is next. And uh, so the first original tweet came from Alessandro Bastoni, the great one, says, for fuck's sake, now I'm crying. I had his picture of Conte. And then it goes, uh, this guy really left the competitive Champions League side to manage a bunch of bums on Thursdays in the conference. League. <laughs> <laughs> for reference wow, to Tottenham in conference league. So that's got, that's up there. That's up there. Yeah, uh, all there. right. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, let's see. Um, no fascism, no racism. The Tifo of the Olympic Marseille supporters before their match versus Lazio last night. <laughs> and at BTC underscore Matias. <laughs> Lazio fans looking at this, 
the 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 gif of Ron Burgundy. It doesn't make sense. Uh, that's a leader for me right there. <laughs> that's that's got a shot. That's got a shot. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. All right. Let's this go. one Next came one. in. This one comes in from at uh, Ale Taver underscore says Ed and Jekyll versus Milan. Some masked guy. Uh, there's there's sound to this one. Making his. It's just a creature like Jekyll that's not doing anything, just walking around making noises. <laughs> <It's goofy. laughs> funny. That was funny. That's funny. That's some good ones. Oh this week. boy, we've got it. We've got a good. We've got a good week of Who Won Calcio Twitter. They all stepped up. We've got one more nominee. Uh, you know, this is what happens when we only record when we record like three days apart. We don't get many nominations, yep. so okay. uh, don't worry. We'll have an overload because we're off next week. Oh, yeah. um, at Rafinha underscore fan. Um, uh, BR football tweeting Juan Cuadrado danced in front of the referee after scoring the winner for Juventus in stoppage time at Rafinha fan saying I don't see anything too spectacular here it's literally just two teammates celebrating their late winner <laughs> nice nice well played oh, oh my we've got uh, we've got some good ones man we've got some good ones this time around oh, so. we do uh, I like this Lazio one Lazio fans looking at this like it doesn't make sense <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think I uh, I think we're going with I think we're going with BTC underscore Matias as our winner this week. So, oh. so I will go ahead and uh, dub at BTC underscore Matias our winner of Calcio Twitter. Uh, while I type that, Richard, anything else you want to share with the people? Um, yeah, no, just again, thanks to all the, we, we did this on Wednesday. I know I forgot to, uh, post the, the podcast after last time. If you watched it live, great. If you didn't, we'll, we'll try to get the episode out still, um, along with this episode as well. But, uh, we thanked a lot of, uh, those who helped us with the fan reaction, you know, videos after every week. Uh, there's a couple more coming this week after for the big games, obviously Derby de la Madonina and obviously Fiorentino Juventus are some games there. So Yeah. Uh, keep sending in those videos. We love them. Uh, it's it's great to see what the reactions for everybody else are. You know how fans feel about their teams winning or losing. Um, and yeah, you know it doesn't have to be the big matches. If you want to, you know, help us out with some videos, please let us know. We just want to help share the love, spread the love, let everybody know about other creators that are out there as well. You know, there's a lot of creators here uh, supporting their different teams or, or even city out like the Calcio guys and the Calcio Connection. So definitely send those videos. Uh, you know, and, and thank to all those all those. Gentlemen and ladies who, who have helped us out so far, Sabrina Melmonte, one of the recent ones with a really good Milan one lately too. So, so thank you. Excellent, all. yeah, excellent stuff, no doubt about it. Um, very, uh, very happy uh, with uh, how that has been going and how it's been received. So, excellent stuff. At BTC underscore Matias, congratulations again. You are the winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter for the week. Uh, well played, and uh, you're the winner of a. Of five really strong nominees this week too. So uh, good week for Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, again, a hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter. If you find anything uh, from the Calcio Twitter fan base that is amusing, funny, as long as it's not offensive, as long as it's not degrading, um, you know, stick the hashtag on it, and uh, we'll read it on our next podcast. So. And with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie Sit Down. Richard, anything else to shamelessly plug? Um, not at the moment, but, uh, yeah, just follow me at R underscore K H A R M A N and I'll make sure I look, 
look you up. Look you up. Look, oh, that's disgusting. Look, oh. uh, forget it. I was going to pass, pass on me. All right. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Long week. Long weekend. We're going to hell. I'm just going to mute my mic. <laughs> uh, you have had trouble. You have had trouble with the polyglot has had trouble with uh, pronouncing words and, and, and enunciation. And English is not my native language anymore. Like tonight, apparently. Yeah. So. Oh, my. Uh, so uh, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Um, you keep moving the uh, handle on me. Um, so uh, follow me there. I would appreciate it. Like chat in the Calcio, among other things. City, uh, I sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. Uh, if you're listening to us there on one of those channels, uh, subscribe to the channel, please. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts. You're going to find Sidia Sit Down at Sidia Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram for any comments, questions, uh, topics you want us covering uh, on future podcasts, um, and uh, also on Facebook as well. So uh, that's going to do it. We are going to take next weekend off in observance of uh, Serie A, taking next weekend off. Uh, good luck to the Azzurri. Hopefully they can come away uh, with a, an important victory on Friday against Switzerland um, and then follow that up with a win against Northern Ireland and then really be in the driver's seat for an automatic berth in the 2022 World cup let's do it forza italia uh for richard i'm frank thank you chat uh as always for stepping in and uh talking with us and uh for everybody else out there listening to us and as always tell your paisans about us ciao